Matthew chapter 6, begin reading at verse number 5. Jesus is speaking, and he says, When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will, re will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need before you ask Him. Your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. And so because He knows what you need, in this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Great is your name. Majestic is your name. Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And then verse 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. Now Jesus tells us, he says, when you pray for provision, when you pray for your needs to be met, when you pray for, for blessings, it shouldn't be at the top of your list because there are so many things that I want you to experience about me before you start coming to me with your Christmas wish list. After all, my name's not Santa Claus. But then he says, when we do get around to our needs, Jesus says to pray, give us this day our daily bread. In other words, don't give me yesterday's bread. And I shouldn't be worried about tomorrow's bread. Just give me the bread that I need for today. You see, because God has your bread for this day. He has what you need for this time in your life, for this season. He has what you need for what is going on in your life right now. And the thing is, you can't fight today's battle off of yesterday's bread or on tomorrow's credit. But see, what happens, a lot of people, they either live in the past or they live in the future. They never live in the nowness of their moment. If you've been in church any time at all, you've heard that one group is always talking about what God used to do. Oh, man, them, them good old days. Them their good old days. They were great. But then you have the other group who's always talking about what God is going to do. Oh, my goodness, God is going to do so much. We're going to see his power. When it comes, we're going to see it. But I don't know about you, but I want to be in the present tense of God. I want to be in the I am of God. I want to be in the current flow of his spirit. I want to be where God is moving right now. Give us this day. Why? Because this is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice in this day. Not because we like everything that's happening in this day, but we're rejoicing because God created this day, and no matter what the challenges are, He will give you the provision you need for every challenge you are going to face today. 
Give us this day. Our daily bread means that I have the confidence that God has prepared something in his oven that will take care of everything I have to face today. And I know if I eat what he's prepared, then I'm going to be able to stand whatever the devil throws at me. If I eat his daily bread, no weapon formed against me is going to be able to prosper. But what do a lot of people pray? They pray that the weapon won't be formed in the first place. But that's really not always scriptural because Jesus himself said, for in this world you will have tribulation. But you see, if you eat right, the weapon will not prosper. Now, I don't know about you, but I can, I can always tell when, when I'm not eating right. One, my belt gets too small, my pants get too tight. But then on the spiritual side, people start getting on my nerves. Things start upsetting me. I start going through mood swings, and I'm not even a woman. Hey, you can try to shout me down on that, but anyway, I, now I know none of you do any of that, so I'm just going to confess my dirty laundry today. But things start happening. I mean, I even start raising my voice to my sweet wife, which you know I would never do. Where's that lightning hole? Well, things start bugging me. And suddenly I realize that I need to stop taking care of the work of the Lord and spend some time with the Lord of the work. Because I know I need some of his bread because I am not acting like a child of the king today. You see, if everyone would eat right, everyone would act right. Let that soak in. If everyone would eat right of their daily bread, everyone would act right. And when you start eating right, your strength in the Lord will come to you. And when you're facing things in your life, you need to say, I'm nervous, Lord, give me the bread. I'm getting moody, Lord, give me some bread. I'm going through too many temptations, Lord, give me the bread. I'm about to mess up, Lord, give me my daily bread. Yeah. And what's interesting is that this prayer is actually a praise. Think about it. We never ask people for something we don't think that they have. You don't go to a person holding a sign on the street corner and ask him for a million-dollar loan. No offense to them, but you know they don't have it. Either that or they're really a shrewd business person. If you ask someone for a million dollars, the very fact that you ask them is a compliment because it suggests that you believe that they have it. And so when you go to God and say, give me my daily bread, the first thing you're saying is, God, I know you've got it. And so I don't have to waste my time going to the bank or going to rich Uncle Ernie because I know that my help comes from you, Lord, and I know that you have everything I need to make it through what I'm facing. And the fact is, Lord, if you don't have it, then I don't need it. Father, give us this day our daily bread means it's me again, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And I'm asking you for today's strength, and I'm asking you because I know that you've got what it takes to empower me to make it through this hour. I'm not asking you to change this hour. 
I'm not asking you to remove this cup. I'm asking you to give me the grace that I need to stand in the face of the enemy with a belt of truth buckled around my waist while I am wearing your breastplate of righteousness. And then because he proved himself to me today, that means with confidence you can call on him again tomorrow. See, we don't have to ask God for a week's worth of bread. I don't need to ask him for 30 days worth of bread. Lord, I'm not asking you to solve all my problems for the next 20 years. I'm just asking you, Lord, to help me make it one day at a time. And that's why Matthew 6.34 says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble on its own. So don't let the devil get you upset about tomorrow or next week or next month. Simply thank God for his grace that he's given you to get through today. Philippians 4, verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Folks, no matter what you're facing, you don't have to stress out and have a nervous breakdown with high blood pressure to boot. All you have to say is, Lord, give me today's bread, and he will give you what you need. I mean, think back on your past. How many times has the devil thought that he was going to take you out? How many times has he thought that he had you right where he wanted you, but yet God was faithful to give you your daily bread just in time? What about those times that you almost gave up, but God showed up in the nick of time right in the middle of your mess? Your daily bread will keep your head above water. If you look in Luke chapter 11, Jesus asked, there's kind of a, a foolish dissertation that Jesus goes into. If you look at verse 11, it says, <clears throat> If a son asks for bread from any father, will the father give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? Well, of course the answer is no, unless you're Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter. You might then. But then Jesus says, if you know then, being evil, how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask them? Now, you need to understand this. God never says anything foolish. He's not like me. He never says anything foolish. And if you read something in your Bible which sounds foolish, you need to realize that there is a revelation buried in that statement. And so one reason Jesus takes the time to ask us that if we ask for bread, he's not going to give us a rock is because sometimes when we ask him for bread, when it comes, it looks like a rock. Oh, I guess that's just me. I guess you guys get everything that you pray about. When it comes, it doesn't look nutritious. It certainly doesn't taste good. It doesn't look exciting. It doesn't look like a blessing. It looks like a stone. It's like when Starla serves me a roll that's as hard as rock. It's still bread. I just have to go to the dentist afterwards. 
And some of you have been asking God for bread, but yet things seem to be getting harder and harder. And it looks like you're not getting anything but a plate of gravel. But you need to understand if it's from God, it is still bread. And I realize it may have brought some tears to your eyes, but it's still bread. You cannot trust your senses and you can't go by what it looks like or what it feels like or what it smells like. You have to trust in the character and the faithfulness of God and that if you ask him for bread, he is going to give you bread. It doesn't matter that it might look like a stone at the time. You've got to know in your heart of hearts that God is on the throne and he will give you bread when you ask for it. If you ask him for an egg, he's not going to give you a scorpion. And see, the reason why you need to understand this is because God has a multitude of ways of blessing you. Any number of ways. But you see, one of the great problems in the church today is that we have fallen fallen in love with God's methods more than we have fallen in love with God. Hey, I really believe you guys can do better than that. We have fallen more in love with God's methods than we've fallen in love with God. Because we live in a day where we have reduced everything down to recipes or concepts or so many principles or so many steps and philosophies. I mean, think about it. We've got Daniel's diet to lose weight. We have 12 steps to the perfect marriage. (laughs) I can cut that down to one step. Yes, dear, whatever you want. Oh, oh, your credit card is full? Here, let me let, let, me let you have mine. Hey. Put the fan on. Calm down. Talking in metaphors here, not in fact. Seven steps to this, four ingredients to that. And what have we done? We put God in a box where he can't do what he wants to do. Wait, 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 what, 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 God? God, wait, we're, you're supposed to be on step three. Didn't you read the book? Listen, friend, God is sovereign. God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, to whomever he wants. He's God all by himself. God can bless whoever he wants to bless. And so it's silly for you to get jealous or to get an attitude when God blesses someone other than you. Well, I've done the steps better than they have. I'm more faithful than they are. (sighs) Listen, when God wants to bless someone, he doesn't have to meet with the board or talk with a committee, and he certainly doesn't need your permission. You see, it's a mistake to fall in love with a method. We need to fall in love with God. Don't fall in love with a blessing. Fall in love with a blesser. That's the key. I mean, think of it this way. Jesus healed many blind people in the Bible, but he didn't heal them all the same way. To some he spoke to, some he touched with his hands, to some he applied a spittle mud facial to their eyes. And if you're blind, I don't think it mattered to Bartimaeus that he got healed one way and someone else got healed another way. Lord, I'm blind. However you want to do it, just give it to me. Lord, I need your bread today. Just serve it to me any way you want me to have it. 
Then another thing is that God doesn't want you to fall in love with who he uses to bless you. I mean, thank God for whomever he uses, but understand that it's still God using them. If I send Starla roses because I'm such a wonderful husband, well, the delivery man brings them, but the flowers came from me. I sure don't want Starla kissing the delivery guy for the flowers I sent. That's not the tip I'm interested in. So periodically, God is going to change the steps on you. When he changes, you have to realize that it's still God who is blessing you. Okay, so my introduction is over. And I would say I scored maybe about a C- minus based on your reaction. So let's get to our lesson. Genesis chapter 45. Genesis 45, verse number 16. Now the report of it was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's, Joseph's brothers have come. So it pleased Pharaoh and his servants well. And, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this. Load your animals and depart. Go to the land of Canaan. Bring your father and your households and come to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you will eat the fruit of the land. Now, probably most of you here today are familiar with this story. So in the early stages of the relationship between God's people and Egypt, it was a blessing. Before there was ever the problem of the Israelites being held as slaves, Israel's relationship with Egypt was a good thing. It was God providing for them. And so when you first start asking God for bread, it's very possible the first stage of him providing for, for you is that God will feed you through the hands of other people. See, when famine rose up in Canaan and Jacob began to be in want and his sons were in trouble, God sent them down into Egypt and God provided bread for them through the hands of Pharaoh. But you see... It wasn't Pharaoh that was doing it. It was God through Pharaoh. Which that sounds a lot to me like Luke 6.38. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over. Shall men give unto you? Now, if you're proud and you're going to make it on your own, you don't want any help from anybody and you don't want anyone to bless you and you're going to do it all on your own and you don't want any help with your problem, you're going to miss a level of blessing. Because it, a perfect example of this is that real old story. I'm sure you've probably heard it before. But one day the floods came and there's this old farmer who was forced up on top of his roof. Well, first a neighbor comes by in his boat and the farmer says, no, no, I appreciate it, but God's going to deliver me. Well, next a National Guard helicopter flies over. The waters continue to rise. But he yells up to the helicopter, no, thank you. God is going to save me. Well, later the water's about up to the ridge, and he's still standing there having faith. And the neighbor comes over in his boat and said, hey, this is the last boat out. You need to get on. And the farmer says, no, I'm believing. I'm having faith in my God. He's going to deliver me. Well, the farmer drowns, and he goes to heaven. And so he's standing before God, and he kind of has a little bit of an attitude, and he says, God, I was having faith. Why didn't you come and rescue me? 
And God said, you big dummy, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. What more do you want? <laughs> Many times God will use people to bless you. But you're going to miss it if you're just looking for your friends to be your mule. Because God wants you to understand that it's, not, that it's him and it's not people. God will even use someone who doesn't like you. He'll use someone who hates you. He'll use your enemy, someone who never wanted you to get the promotion, someone who never wanted you to get the girl, and he will make your enemies bless you. Yeah. Psalms 110 says, I will make your enemies a footstool under your feet. They'll bless you, and they won't even know why they're doing it. You see, because it's God positioning and putting people in place for your behalf. And so God will use men to bless you. And so God's going to feed you through the hands of men, but the thing is, don't expect it to last. What's that saying? All good things must come to an end? You know, it's amazing. Some people, they get bitter and they get angry and they get frustrated because someone who used to be a blessing to them isn't blessing them like they used to. I think it's called looking a gift horse in the mouth. But anyway. Friend, listen to me. Don't be hurt because it's simply God shutting one door because God wants you to know that it's not them. It's him. So don't hold a grudge. They can't pay your rent the rest of your life. God just moved on them during a difficult time to tide you over. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost fall on you in the employment office and get yourself a better job. Mm, that went over good. God will not continue to feed you through the hands of people. Because every so often he's going to change things up so that you don't get too caught up in how he blesses you. Because here's the thing, if God blessed you one way, he's going to bless you in another way. If one way's been closed, he'll create another way. He'll open a different door to bless you. God's got your back, so don't let the devil see you sweat because Philippians 1, 6 says, be confident that God who has begun a good work in you will complete it all the way until the day that we see Jesus Christ. God takes care of his kids, but we need to release God to be able to change his methods. We need to take the brakes off him and allow him to bless us however he wants to bless us. See, we've got to stop trying to live our plan and trust the plan that he has for our life. Well, meanwhile, back in Egypt, the children of Israel, they were doing great while God was feeding them through the hands of men. They were prospering. They were multiplying. But you see, it only became a problem when they stayed too long. So don't plan on leaning on the hand of flesh too long because God doesn't want anyone or anything to become an idol in your life. He doesn't want anyone or anything to become an idol in your life. Exodus chapter 34 verse 14 says, For the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. I thought Starla was bad. But listen, when you start bragging too much on how they were always there for you and how you could always count on them and they'll never leave you or forsake you, forsake you, I want you to know God gets upset. 
When you start talking about how great all your stuff is and your 401k is rupturing because it's so wonderful and all the stuff that you have and you forget to give the glory to God, that sounds like idolatry. And God says, no one is going to stand with you like that but me. And he'll just pull the rug out from under you and he'll show you people's true motives and that all your stuff really doesn't have any value. And then to rehabilitate yourself, you're going to have to get on your knees in front of the Lord and say, Lord, I repent for making gods out of people, making gods out of my family, making gods out of my bank account. Lord, for you are the giver of all good things. God says you shall worship no other God. For I alone am God. So the Israelites thrived in the land of Egypt. So much so that the new Pharaoh became jealous of their prosperity and became afraid of all of their numbers. And so he put taskmaster over them. He started making their lives much more difficult. And then they were in slavery. So then after about 400 years of slavery, Moses comes along and, and he led God people out of the land of bondage and he, led, and he led them into the wilderness of all places. So now the second point I want to make for you today is after you go through a stage of being fed through the hands of people, it's very possible that God will pull you out into the wilderness where you'll find yourself alone. You see, because all the hands that God used to feed Israel before have now drowned in the Red Sea. Something we often resist is being alone. What's interesting is sometimes we'll even invite people into our life who are, who are bad for us, who aren't good for us. They don't help us live a Christian life. They don't help us do the right thing. But yet we draw them into our lives just to keep from having to be by ourselves. But you see, in the second stage of God's provision, of God bringing bread into your life, he wants to be alone with you. And what that means is some of the things that you're kicking against, those things that you're trying to fight and stop from happening in your life, are actually for God's purpose in your life. Because God wants to be alone with you. God wants some of your telephone time. He wants some of your Facebook time, some of your Netflix time. He wants you out from under the hand of men. He wants you to be all by yourself so he can have you all to himself so he can feed you through his own hand. See, in the first stage, he fed you through the hands of men, but in the second stage, it's very possible that God is going to feed you through his own hand. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 15 says, I will send grass in your fields for your livestock that you may eat and be filled. He's going to feed you himself. He's going to open up doors and bless you. And when it comes, it's going to come with God's handprint all over it. And you're going to know that if it had not been by the Lord by your side that you would have gone hungry. He's going to feed you directly. He's going to give you revelation. He's going to give you vision. And like we talked about last week, God will start speaking to you out of his word. Or maybe you'll be in the shower, you'll be driving along, and you'll be able to hear that still, small voice. Now, whether you're a preacher or not, everyone ought to be able to preach well enough to get yourself out of trouble. 
You ought to be able to preach to a soap dish or preach to that steering wheel and tell the devil that he is a liar and tell him that my body is healed in the name of Jesus. And if I have to, I'm going to have revival all by myself. So devil, you cannot have my kids. Get your hands off my house. Leave my job alone. Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And then lay hands on yourself. Lay hands on your checkbook. Lay hands on your husband while he's asleep if you have to. God wants to feed you through his own hand. Something's going to be going on in your life and you're going to get up and you're going to call the prayer chain and the line's going to be busy. And you're not going to be able to get through because God said, I'm not feeding you through them anymore. I'm going to teach you how to listen to me for yourself and pray for yourself. God calls you into aloneness. Now we hear that term aloneness and we think lonely. But just because you're alone doesn't mean that you have to be lonely. Because if you come to the garden alone, while the dew is still on the roses, there'll be a voice you hear falling on your ear, and it'll be the Son of God as He discloses. And you'll be able to hear that voice that you couldn't hear before because of all the noise going on around you. It'll be a voice that you'll be able to hear because now he has finally got you alone to where you can hear it. And when you hear that voice, that's when God will start giving you miracles. You see, when Israel was in the wilderness alone with God, God had to do the miraculous for them to live. The Lord said in Exodus chapter 16, 14, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. Other places, is he said that he will give water out of the rock. And so when they were alone with God, it took a miracle to provide for their daily needs. See, God will put us in situations where we have no choice but to trust him. And then Romans 1.17 comes into play because it says the just shall live by faith and the righteousness of God is revealed when we walk in faith. If you're going to live in the righteousness of God, then you are going to have to live in the situations where you cannot see what tomorrow holds. You're going to have to learn to trust him for your daily bread. Listen, God's not going to give you a week's worth of bread. He's only going to give you enough bread to make it through the day because... God wants you to come back and talk with him again tomorrow. If he gave you a week's bread, he wouldn't see you for a week. Jeremiah said in Lamentations 3.22, God's mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. He said, the Lord is my portion. And so I'm going to say, Lord, I'm going to come to you early in the morning to get my daily bread. I'm going to give you the first fruits of my day. Jesus is going to be the first name I call before the devil has a chance to take a swing at me. If I have to set my clock 30 minutes earlier to eat with you, Lord, that's okay. I am going to sit with you. I am going to visit with you. So when I go to work, I'm not going to go growling and howling and waving my middle finger and acting like all those other sinners on the highway. I followed some of you to work before. 
act all sanctified and holy with me. That's why I've tinted windows. <laughs> I really don't, but I probably should have. I should have. <laughs> uh, when you get along with God, friend, that's when the miraculous is going to happen. Miracles don't happen when you run with the herd. When you, when you let the noise of this world drown out his voice. But see, when you have nowhere else to turn, you turn to him, and he's going to be there with your provision. See, God told Israel, I've been supplying your needs through Pharaoh, but now Pharaoh's gone. But guess what? I'm not. And he may be saying to you, your job's gone, but I'm not. Your spouse may be gone, but I'm not. I haven't left you. I'm still with you. I'm still the God that's more than enough. You may think they've cut off your supply, but they cannot cut off your God. So when it was time for them to move on, God told Israel, I'm going to open up the heavens for you. And then Jesus told us to pray to our Heavenly Father, give us this day our daily bread. And when we do, the provision that we need for this day, he will supply. And then we'll know that our blessing, our victory, our healing, the stabilizing of our family, getting that new job, whatever it is, it was by the power and the grace of the hand of Almighty God. We're going to talk a little bit more about this next week, but right now, if you would, bow your heads with me.